mindfulness mode. Don't forget to experiment with those basic things like nature and relationships. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Mindful Tribe, we're all looking for solutions, solutions to move forward, solutions to live a better, more contented life. And today I've got the guy with me that can talk about all kinds of life hacks and solutions so that we can live a more well, a more contented, a more focused life, a more grounded life. And he's all about mindfulness. I have Sean Morgan with me today. Hey, Sean, are you in mindfulness mode today? Yes, I am. <laughs> That's great. Sean Morgan teaches about fulfillment and the concept that life is about more than the daily grind of making money. It's about our search for meaning and happiness. Sean shares best practices and ancient wisdom based on his experiences and experiments in slow travel, lifestyle design, and being a digital nomad. Sean believes the true meaning of life is connected to simple and down-to-earth concerns such as family, friends, and nature. And Sean has written a book called 43 Life Hacks for Health and Fulfillment. And he's also written another book called The Mastery of Change, Choosing Mental and Emotional Wellness. And I'm quite interested in in your books and and your book 43 Life Hacks is is very very enjoyable to just pick up and read a couple of life hacks and it's very visual and uh, one of your first ones well actually the very first life hack is all about sleep so let's talk about sleep uh, tell us about your sleep are you almost always able to get a deep relaxing night of sleep and tell us what we can do to have better sleep Sean Sure. Yeah. You know, we spend uh, about half of our life <laughs> sleep, so it's pretty important. It has a huge impact on our waking life. And I think the main challenge that we have with modern life is overstimulation, uh, you know, being stressed, whether that be just a busy lifestyle, but also from the challenges of technology and especially the blue light that technology emits, uh, all the screens in our life. Um, I think that's a new a new thing for us to become more aware of. Now, a lot of the new cell phones have uh, blue light blocking features that are built in and are really being featured now. They're easier to find than they used to be. And it used to be that you'd have to download a special app to, to block the blue light on your phone. But now a lot of the new ones are blocking the blue light. But just in general... We just have to stop looking at these screens before we go to bed, you know, give it a couple of hours at least and, and let us adjust. Um, also, there's so many best practices for sleep, like blocking out all the light in your room. And, and that includes like even tiny lights. Make sure that when you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you don't turn on the bathroom light. Uh, because that'll just mess you up. And then there's so many things with your waking life of getting into a good circadian rhythm. Uh, for example, getting enough sunlight, uh, you know, getting exercise, uh, going outside and, and exposing yourself to sunlight in the morning and in, in the evening so that you're just uh, in that cycle so that when you're ready to go to sleep, 
your body is just on auto autopilot and it wakes you up on autopilot too. I think that's another big challenge is that we all just feel unrested when we wake up. And so I think if we're getting enough sleep, if we're getting sorry, if we're getting enough exercise and sunlight, then we'll start to just get into that natural pattern. Yeah, I think you're right. Number six in your book is about the super drink Yerba Mate. Did I pronounce it right? Yerba Mate. Mate, I was wondering if it was like that because <laughs> I don't know anything about this drink at all. Tell us about it. Yeah, this is something that I really got exposed to after I moved to Brazil uh, because this is a native uh, herb from, from Southern Brazil, Uruguay, uh, Argentina area. And this is a sacred plant from the indigenous cultures of that region. And it has a lot of really special properties. It's, uh, it's kind of a coffee replacement, but it doesn't have the crash that you get from a uh, caffeine high from a coffee. And it's not acidic. So it's like all the good things about coffee without all the bad things about coffee. It's full, chuck full of nutrients, minerals. Um, and it gives you because it's not just the caffeine in it, there's so many other synergistic uh, things going on. But what, what I love about it is that it gives me focus and motivation. And I think that's why people like coffee a lot too. Uh, they, they get some of those similar qualities. But if I drink, and there's some other things that, that go along with it, uh, but if I drink some, and basically the way it works is it's, it's a... Um, powdery it has different pieces of plants material so it has the stem and straw but it also has a, like a, a powdery kind of matcha green tea uh, quality and it depends on which country you get it from in brazil they really like the powdery uh profile but in in argentina you get a lot of the really shredded uh flake and straw material but it's 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 all the same species of plants and it all gives you similar effects. And basically you, you put some of this material, you can boil some water and then add it to, to a tablespoon of this, uh, this plant material. And traditionally they drink it in a gourd, uh, but you can just put it in, in a cup and then they, they sip, uh, they use a filtered metal spoon straw <laughs> uh -huh. and you just, you just, uh, just it's just like a tea basically and uh and if i if i have one cup of that i'll have two or three hours of sustained focus which is amazing for your work day when you're trying to do a project and you're trying to overcome procrastination and then also i don't want to get too graphic but it, it's a, it has a lot of detoxifying qualities so if you if you're constipated or whatever then it will clean you out and it will get rid of anything that's been built up inside of you. So it's it's truly a super, like more antioxidants than blueberries and, and green tea. It's like just one of the most amazing plants in the world. Well, I should spell it. It's Y-E-R-B-A and then M-A-T-E. And is that the name of the plant, Yerba Mate? Yes, that's the name of the plant. I see. And so what would the hit be like compared to coffee? Would it be a similar amount of caffeine? Yes, similar amount of caffeine. Uh, but because there's so many other constituents inside of the plant uh, that are working synergistically with the caffeine, it doesn't seem to have the 
addictive quality or or the crash quality that the coffee has. Uh, Sean, I had asked you earlier for a suggested episode title for for this episode, and you suggested escaping slavery to modern technology. So let's talk about how we can escape that slavery. A lot of us are slaves to modern technology. Why is it so important for us to change our lifestyle so that we're not so heavily tied to technology? Right. Technology is a double-edged sword. You know, um, I think the thing that sets humans apart from other animals is the fact that we we create and, and improve and use technology. Um, so I think it's something we can't really avoid. I mean, there are certain cultures like the Amish that have really tried to limit their technology use, but it, it starts to get kind of absurd. Like they'll use scooters, but they won't use bicycles. And, and then they have, I worked with the Amish because I sold organic food in Pennsylvania. And so they will you know, they want to make money, they want to sell food. And so they have these big operations, these big farming operations, and then they they have the neighbors use a fax machine for them. So they're still using the technology. So basically, I don't think it's avoidable, but I think we need to learn how to do balance and management of it. And I think this is going to get even more important in the coming years when we have virtual reality and basically that uh, social media and video gaming is going to be a process of putting on a headset and you feel like you're in another country or another planet and you can meet other people in their virtual avatars and it's going to be indis indistinguishable from real life. And so people are going to be like, well, what, what, which would I rather do, work at Starbucks, this is boring, or would I rather go on my virtual reality to another planet, you know? So it, yeah. that's the problem with technology is it's so novel and interesting that it can be addicting because our brain is kind of naturally wired to look for novelty and to, uh, you know, try to stimulate itself. And so uh, it's just about finding a balance you know for me i work uh the same hours every day you know it, it's it's nine to five i don't turn on the computer again after that nine to five period on the weekends i do like a full technology cleanse uh so i'm not using my devices on the weekends and uh and it's the way i find sanity you know i literally um if i didn't put those types of limits on myself than I would be on technology uh, every waking minute. So um, it's just like any other addiction like sugar or carbohydrates or, or what have you. Um, you just have to find replacements and you have to do limits. So, so with replacements is like find something else that's as interesting as technology and something that we usually ignore is nature, you know, and, and nature is one of the most beautiful qualities of our reality and we have to get out there and explore it and ex experience it and it is just as satisfying if not more satisfying uh, as technology so um, it's the problem is I live in one of the biggest cities in the world Sao Paulo I'm not near any parks and so our family has made the decision to to build a house in the countryside so that we can have a more balanced life because it's really hard to get that uh, dose of nature.
Right. I was going to ask you what it's like living there. You live in Brazil. What are some of the differences and similarities to living in Brazil compared to the United States? Um, I would say culturally, uh, Brazilians are more family oriented than Americans. Um, and they're also more private people. Um, and part of it is that there's a higher level of, of criminality in, uh, in Brazil. And so people look to their home and their family as a sanctuary of a place where they can trust and connect with other people. And so they don't say hello to their neighbors. They don't connect with their neighbors. Uh, they just have a very small circle of family and friends. And so there's good things and bad things about that. The good thing is that I've been raising my uh, child. My child's two years old. And so raising a child in Brazil has been a really fulfilling experience uh, because of they just put double the amounts of emphasis and effort in supporting family life. As, as, as the American lifestyle is a little bit more uh, independent and, and focused on career and stuff. Um, and the bad thing is that I don't have relationships with my neighbors in Brazil. You know, every, every house has a tall wall uh, around their house to, to keep the, the criminals out. And so they keep out right. the, the neighbors and the friends. And so, uh, so it's, it's a balance also. What have you learned from your child about mindfulness? A lot. Yeah, I would say he's one of my greatest teachers in mindfulness. Um, you know, I, uh, my job is, is being on my computer a lot of the day. And so when I unplug and I, I spend the evening with my two-year-old, um, it's just seeing his, the way he views the world. And he finds uh, you know, an empty plastic bottle, super interesting <laughs> and fun. <laughs> and so I can experience his happiness and his, his, uh, experience reality through his eyes. And, and I just, I just watch him. I just look at him and I look into his eyes and, and, uh, and I appreciate his innocence. And, uh, I just spend literally, I just spend minutes just doing that, uh, and and that's a good uh, medicine in life to, to just be away from your adult world of concerns and be in the child's world of, of awe and appreciation. Sean, in your book, 43 Life Hacks, I really like number nine, become the positive change. And you talk about helping others, feeding the hungry, visiting prisoners. Tell us about some of these things that you've done and how that's impacted your life. Yeah, I think it depends on your personality profile, how much this kind of thing will make a difference in your life. But for me, um, just learning about the problems in society globally, not even just locally or nationally, but just learning about all the problems that are out there has been a heavy burden psychologically on me in my life. And, uh, and so if you don't do anything about all those problems out there, then it starts to weigh on you and you start to experience depression and, and bad symptoms. And so 
the cure <laughs> is just to just to do anything at all uh, to make a difference, you know. And I think a lot of the times it has to do with connecting with others, you know. Um, the, the problems are so striking, especially in Brazil. Uh, the poverty here is just at another level and it's in your face, you see it. Whereas in America, the problems are there, but they're kind of hidden away. Um, and so just doing just little things, uh, little things turn out to be really big things in other people's lives. And, um, and so it's, it's both selfless and selfish because you really, you really help yourself when, when you connect with others, because that's just one of the things, I mean, that's why I call it uh, life hacks for fulfillment, because uh, when you help another person, when you connect with another person, love, then you're not only giving love, you're getting love back. And so that's what life's all about. Speaking of connecting with others and helping others, I'd love to help you. I'm so happy to be already working with a number of listeners as a mindfulness life coach and hypnotist. You might have heard of someone who's lost weight or quit smoking with the help of hypnosis. As a licensed hypnotist, I work with anyone struggling with an issue. Maybe it's sleep, maybe it's smoking or weight loss. Well, I've lost 35 pounds myself and kept it off using hypnosis. And now I'm offering a beta package and I'm really excited about this beta launch because it means big savings for you and it means I get the opportunity to work with people like you and I have openings for only three people so you need to act now. If you want to lose weight, I've created a video to help you called How to Lose Weight for Good. Watch the short video and then book a quick call with me. And you can jump right in now and you'll get 50% off the price of the package. So go to mindfulnessmode.com slash weight loss. And if you just want to book a time and talk directly to me, go to mindfulnessmode.com slash let's talk. So I look forward to connecting with you. Now back to the show. Sean, tell us about your life as a digital nomad. I know that you did that for some time. How long and what was it like? I guess I still am a digital nomad, uh, not really too nomadic anymore, but I'm still working independently for myself uh, based on home office type of thing. Uh, for years, I don't know, maybe five, five years. Before that, I was a wedding photographer, so I was still working for myself. <clears throat> and then before that, I was a social worker. Uh, but... I think it's a new trend, especially since COVID-19. Uh, there's been this big kind of a jump start or a quantum leap toward us using the tools we already have to be independent workers instead of being dependent on a location, dependent on an office, dependent on a, a real life manager over your shoulder. Um, I, I think that... Uh, a lot of people can experience the pluses and the minuses of being a digital nomad. Now, when you add the nomad part, it starts to get really interesting because I traveled to 30 different countries and I was teaching English on my computer along the way to, to fund my travels. Um, so, I mean, you know, I'm 35 years old now and 
I just got married a couple of years ago and settled down. But I'm happy that I did that that stage of my life so that I could go everywhere I wanted to go, see everything I wanted to see, not have any regrets when I settled down. <laughs> now, when I settle down, I'm like, no, I did it. I, I, I did what I wanted to do. Um, everyone has that dream they have, you know, whether it's to see Paris or, or whatever. Uh, but just being a digital nomad gives you that freedom to go do the thing you've always wanted to do, see the things you've always wanted to see and, and be able to be independent. And, and I think that the independence part is really big because um, when we talk, when we talked about being a slave to the kind of a matrix kind of thing of, of technology, it can be the same thing with, uh, with cor corporations or, or whatever that, that, that someone else is controlling our uh, how you know if we eat or not if we pay our rent or not and so that puts us into a fear-based mentality where we're willing to submit to our in immediately it might be like our boss or our manager but but it's it's too it's too uh this big machine uh, and it, it does, it's not empowering. And so I think there is going to be a movement of people being more empowered, feeling more sovereign over their own life energy and have more choice about what they do with their life energy. And that's going to be uh, an improvement on people's lives in the long run, but they're going to have to deal with all the technology challenges along the way. Sean, you wrote the book Mastery of Change. What kind of mindfulness did it take to to take this book from beginning to end? Well, it was about a 40-day period of, of writing all day, every day, um, and editing and everything. Um, but it was it was it was very similar. I think a lot of writers and creatives have used the analogy of like giving birth to a baby. It was kind of similar to that, that it was this thing that was inside of me that really wanted to come out. And so it was just giving it, putting enough value on it to give it the time and the space and the energy to, 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 uh, to, and the focus to, to spend, you know, almost, you know, a month or two to get it all out. Right. What were some of the main concepts you wanted the reader to take away from this book? Um, the two main concepts that I thought I really wanted to tease out that I learned from, from others is the, the mind, body, emotion, and mind, body, emotion, spirit connection, and how there's these feedback loops between them. And also that beliefs, um, beliefs are structures that can be deconstructed and it has all kinds of implications with those feedback loops that we talked i just mentioned so for example if you have a belief that's causing an emotion like anger well then you can deconstruct that belief and then you won't be angry anymore um, that's kind of a simplistic way but if you are angry well then you're going to have cortisol in your body and you're going to experience low immunity. And so all of a sudden there's all these cascades of effects to, to the different aspects of our being. So the mind, the, the body, the emotions and, and the spirit. 
your your work is about fulfillment. So what's your definition of fulfillment? It's the simple things in life. You know, if you don't overthink it too much and you just uh, realize that uh, as human beings on earth, we, we enjoy uh, connecting with others, with, with family, with friends, with our community, and with nature. And uh, those are the things that are just so obvious and kind of self-evident to cultures around the world. But as modern people, we have to return to our roots and, and actually be intentional to make sure that we're connecting with nature and connecting with others. One of the things that you teach in your writings is allowing yourself to be nurtured. And I think this is important when we practice mindfulness as well. How do you allow yourself to be nurtured? Well, this has evolved over the years. I remember when I was suffering more with more uh, anxiety and depression and I had chronic Lyme's disease uh, as well. Uh, I remember I, I broke up with uh, my significant other and I decided to travel the world. I went to Thailand and stayed there for two months and I got a massage every single day for two months. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, they're only $5 in Thailand. Yeah. Uh, but, and I still use massage and that's, that's in both of my books about using massage and, and different uh, healing touch techniques like Reiki and different things. Um, has been so transformational for me. Um, but it kind of comes back to what we just talked about, which is that there's this magical, beautiful, healing quality of connecting with other people. And so when you allow someone else to massage you and use their skill to, to release, uh, you know, talk about releasing physical issues that have that cascade of having an emotional effect and a mental effect and, and spiritual effect. And so, um, that's one of the, the key components for me is, uh, is massage. Well, I know that you have a very active spiritual element and you believe we should praise our creator who is our creator from your point of view yeah this is this can get pretty abstract you know and you can probably tell the difference between the mastery of change and how i talked about reality and and stuff compared to the 43 life hacks where i'm just much more um structured about acknowledging God as creator and everything. Um, you know, it's everyone has their own personal journey uh, to go through. Um, but I, I think of it as a life hack, as an experiment. Uh, everything in life is an experiment. You try your bamate and you see what it does. And if you like it, you do it again. Um, that's the way I think people could try spirituality. You know, instead of um, being kind of overwhelmed by the fact that they would have to change their entire life and all of their belief structures uh, right away. It's like, well, why not just try to sing a song um, that praises God and then see how you feel and see how it rings true, if it rings true for you or not, or try praying to God or try to say that you're thankful for your food every time you eat and, and see what happens. 
And what's amazing is that it starts with these little things and that what ends up happening is like this momentum and this what feels like an outside force that takes over and transforms you. And uh, so uh, those are some, for people that might be struggling, like for health and fulfillment, uh, those are some really big tips. Like, hey, just give this a try. Just praise God. Just do gratitude, all of these things. And, uh, and it'll make a huge impact in your life. And I actually put scientific studies uh, references on all of the life hacks, including the ones that were about prayer. Yeah, I think that's really important and really interesting that you did that. I think that's great. Sean, you um, mentioned about depression. You mentioned about some challenges that you've had in your life. And I'm just interested in what some of the biggest challenges have been that you've been able to move through in your life because you seem so grounded and so mindful at this point in your life. Thank you. Um you know, what's funny is being a neurotic person has forced me on this journey, <laughs> you know? And I think that's going to really ring true for a lot of the people in the audience that are listening right now. I don't think that, uh, I think that the mindful thing attracts those types of people because they can quiet that voice inside through mindfulness. So, um, yeah um the things that have made the biggest difference for my depression are simple th things that seem really simple and maybe even obvious uh to an outside perspective but for me it it, it wasn't uh, for example i was underweight for years of my life and for some reason i couldn't get myself to gain weight uh, but then when i got married and i moved to brazil uh, because my wife's Brazilian, I had a Brazilian woman that was cooking me healthy carbohydrates, rice and beans every single day, like whole, whole grain rice, you know, natural beans with no oil or like, so I was getting like these really <laughs> complex carbs that were healthy. And I never had that before. I never had someone making sure I had three regular meals a day. And so I went from being that kind of nomadic, just doing whatever I felt like to having, having that influence in my life. And I gained weight and that helped my immunity and that helped with the Lyme's, chronic Lyme's disease and that helped with the depression. So that's why I put such a big focus on my book, The Mastery of Change, on the connection between the mind, body and emotions and spirit because there's so many, like who knew that rice and beans would, would cure my Lyme's disease and my depression? It's For sure. because we need, to, we need to be balanced in life. We need to have enough meat on our bones and have high immunity to be able to, to be healthy. And so uh, that's, it's just really funny, but that's one of the biggest things. And do you still experience any bouts with depression? Uh, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I, especially since my job right now is analyzing the news. Uh, and so I'm like processing a lot of negative, uh, negative stuff. So I have to be thoughtful about how I deal with that. You know, like um, sometimes I talk to a therapist, sometimes I talk to my wife or a friend or a family member 
uh, but talking really helps me get it out because I'll keep all of it inside if I don't. Sean, I always ask a question about bullying. Do you have a story you, you can share with us? Were you ever bullied or were you ever a bully to others? Yeah, you know, um, I remember I went to this kind of upper middle class high school and there were all these athletes with brand name clothing that tried to make everybody else feel like they were less if they weren't athletic enough or, and it was, it was a lot of this machismo kind of thing. And I remember my reaction to it at the time was to just, if they sent an insult to me, I would send an insult immediately back to them to try to hold my ground. And, uh, it worked for the time being, and I guess the harsh realities of high school kind of show you the harsh realities of the corporate world and everything, but kind of more in a more raw uh, way. But I, you know, I kind of wish that in school they would teach why people do those things. Like, why do people insult and other people? What's what's going on psychologically? What's going on with? Um, self-esteem and everything and, and what's the best way to deal with it. Um, I wanted to bring up a mindfulness practice that would have helped me back then. And that is Byron Katie's The Work. And this is in both of my books because it's made such a big difference in my life. And this is a way of deconstructing uh, belief systems. Uh, but there's something called a judge your neighbor worksheet you go to thework.com and you judge someone else purposefully and, and thoroughly and you say everything that's wrong with this person. So if you can do it to the bully, you can say this bully is selfish, aggressive, um, all these things. And then after you're done judging, then you have to apply all those things to yourself and you have to find exa specific examples of how you are aggressive and how you are selfish and how you are all of those things. And it forces your consciousness to expand and in a way that it never ever would do naturally. And it's an amazing process and it's has short-term and long-term effects. The short-term is that you feel the same thing you feel after doing 30 minutes of meditation. You feel this lack of attachment to the thoughts in your mind. You just feel like, oh, I can just let go of everything. You're realizing like the illusion of all of those thoughts, all of the, all the thoughts that you had about the other person, all the thoughts you had about yourself, you kind of see through the whole illusion of these thoughts. And then the long-term effect is you'll never look at that person or that kind of situation the same again. And so it's, it's really an amazing psychological, emotional uh, process. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Sean. I know that a website where we can find you is downtoearth.tips. Is that the best place or do you have another place where we should yeah, seek you out as well? Yeah, that's the best place. If you go there, you can get a free copy of the 43 Life Hacks ebook. And it's a new format of book because... It's for the modern person that doesn't want to read a full book. It's more of a coffee table book where you look at a graphic uh, or, or a picture and you read it one or two sentences. And then there's a link that you can go to read more uh, at an article at, on another website. So uh, it's, it's for free on the site. 
and you invite people to uh, to post to social media some of these tips, right? Yeah, the each graphic uh, of each of the 43 tips has a picture that's kind of like a meme that you can share on social media. So you can just right click, download and and post it if you found it powerful. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I've shared a couple of those already and uh, found it very helpful. Do you meditate, Sean? Yes, I do sometimes. There are different phases in my life where I did it every day. And, and right now I'm in the phase of looking at my two-year-old and that's my meditation. <laughs> right, right. And how about cold showers? Is that something you do? Because I know that's you've talked about that in your books. Yes, yes. It's almost a necessity in Brazil. It's so hot down here. <laughs> but yeah, it's very exhilarating. It's really healthy. That's great. Sean, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Um, as far as author type of mentors, I would say Byron Katie or maybe even Wim Hof. Um, you know, the thing about Byron Katie, I already talked about her work, but with Wim Hof, it's more of his whole being. I don't know if you're familiar with him. But I am. Yeah. You know, just his, his, the way he sees life and the way he acts and the way he interacts with others um, is inspiring. And um, it, it's, it's, it's really complementary to the techniques that he teaches about. He, he teaches about cold, cold exposure and breathing methods to reconnect with, with your, your primal self. And his, his whole, uh, his whole essence is just love and, and it's amazing to, to just see him interact with others. It is amazing. I totally agree. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? You know, if, if you include Byron Katie's The Work as a mindfulness practice, it has taken me from chronic type of neurotic uh, emotional issues to just complete peace. So, so that's uh, a big transformation with emotions, yeah. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Um, well, the Wim Hof method is one of the 43 life hacks. Uh, and so that brings a lot of awareness to your breathing and to the fact that you have the conscious ability to put vitality into your body and it's, it's palpable. You can feel the electricity charging through your body. So that, that's been uh, very transformational. So you've already mentioned Byron Katie, and maybe that's who you would recommend, but I wanted to know who you would recommend as far as a book on mindfulness or related to mindfulness is concerned. Yeah, let's stick with uh, Byron Katie. If you just go to thework.com, there are some basic practices. It could probably take you 15 minutes to learn the basics. Can you share an app which helps to be more mindful? You know, all of the big famous ones I've tried and they're all good. Um, I think one of the issues is finding a voice that you connect with and you feel is is good for you. So like, I even forget the names of half of them, but uh, they're all good. Like Cal Calm is one of them. And uh, 
you know, some of them are expensive, but they're worth it. I, they might seem expensive at first blush, but how much is your, your mental health worth? And uh, it's something that if you spend the money on it and you get the notifications on your phone, that it'll, it could commit you to a practice, which is really the hardest part. Well, thank you for answering those quick answer questions. I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about the work by Byron Katie. How much time did you spend on that? Did you devote a few months to it or what was that like? Yeah, it becomes like a lifestyle thing, kind of like meditation. Uh, because the, the idea of it is that you question your own beliefs, things that you think are obviously true, and then you have to question them. And so once you get into the habit of that, uh, then it makes it just a part of your everyday life. Um, for example, you could have a bullying situation, like maybe a coworker is rude to you or something. And then you have the thought that they are a bad person or who knows what thought you have. It could be that they're evil or they're selfish or they're aggressive or they have problems or um, they're a bad person. And then you, the, the process of the work is questioning, are they really a bad person? How do you really know they're a bad person? You know, you start to give your mind um, the space to start to entertain other options that you wouldn't normally do because our minds just are on a habitual kind of pattern. But this, this work stops that natural pattern and, and it creates more space for, for transformation. So then, um, then you have to come up with some specific examples of how they could, or how they already have been, like if it's a coworker, how have they been a good person to you or to someone else? And, and then all of a sudden your, your mind is, 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 is transforming and then like how are you a bad person how have you been rude to them or to another person and then when you start judging yourself you start letting go of the judgment of someone else and then you start to have compassion uh, for the other person and um, it's just all, all the good things about mindfulness of like peace compassion love is the result of this work yeah, I, I like how you're how you're framing that. I really appreciate that. And I like your podcast. You have a very, very impressive podcast. It's just down to earth. And it's called Down to Earth Adventures in Everyday Living. So Mindful Tribe, I encourage you to check out Sean's podcast, Down to Earth Adventures in Everyday Living. And it is just really enjoyable. Just like this this discussion has been, Sean. So thank you very much for being on the show today. And before we sign off, I want to ask you if you have any last minute pieces of advice for those of us working on contentment, being grounded, being mindful. What's your, what's your last piece of advice for us, Sean? Yeah, you know, life is about this series of experiments. And so, you know, don't forget to experiment with those basic things like nature and relationships. That's what I would just keep putting the emphasis on. Um, those things that indigenous cultures, uh, of course, put a lot of focus on in, the, in modern times with technology, we're getting 
further disconnected from nature and from each other. Yeah, thank you for that. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for being on the show, Sean. Thank you, Bruce. It was great. Bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening, for subscribing, for reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, and thanks to Erica Flint's Cascade Hypnosis Center for being our valued sponsor. Hey, Erica, we really appreciate you, and Erica is a terrific teacher of hypnosis, and I know that because I am a graduate of her program. Now, if you're a healer or a coach or a counselor or someone who just loves helping people, Consider the powerful results that can be achieved with hypnosis. You can become a hypnotist, just like I did. Contact the team over at CascadeHypnosisCenter.com. And if you'd like to work with me and break through some of those mind blocks, maybe lose weight, maybe quit smoking, maybe it's something else, I would be so thrilled to work with you. And as you've already heard on the show, I'm doing an exciting new beta launch. I've got room for three people. So reach out to me. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com slash let's talk for a free short conversation about what I can do to help you. I look forward to hearing from you. That's mindfulnessmode.com slash let's talk. So now take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode. <laughs>